Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. I want to welcome you to this special episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And this episode is going to sound and be a little different compared to what you are used to. Instead of holding an interview, we've actually invited a whole bunch of people, which is known as our new panel. And it is with great joy and pride that we present the Brains Magazine's Diversity, Equity and Inclusion panel. The Diversity, Equity and Inclusion panel is started to actively work for a better future and the goal is for everyone to be represented and for no minority to be excluded. I'm really excited to be able to open the door for this whole subject matter to really educate and increase the knowledge within the workplace. There is some child background noise on occasion through this podcast as we embrace the authenticness of mothers in particular within this panel that have children as part of their everyday while managing and expressing their business. And I've been joined by four amazing ladies today. We have Akemia Jackson. Akemia is a global executive coach and founder of Divinely Powered Leadership. We also have all the way from Kenya, Nama Tasi. Nama is a LinkedIn marketing strategist and coach. She's also the founder of a community of African service providers where she collaborates with coaches from all around the world. Also joined with Cordelia Gaffer. Cordelia is a finance professional, mother, author, and professional coach. And finally, we have been joined by Dr. Lisa T. Lewis. Dr. Lisa is a coach an international speaker, clergy, and best-selling author. And what all these amazing people have in common is that they work with, advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion in different ways. And in today's section, it is going to be incredible. We're going to discuss diversity and inclusion in the workplace and how companies work for creating an inclusive workplace let's dive straight in wow so this is exciting something totally new for all of us and we're going to dive straight in with today's podcast i'm joined with the crew that make up the panel and really guys i really want you to let me know individually what does diversity really mean to you and what does it look like because i think that sometimes when we hear words like diversity uh, we have our own sort of form of reference point we all have an understanding of what a word means. And when we hear the word diversity, it may bring up different aspects, different thoughts, different stories to each of us. So I think it's a really good place to start. So let's hear from you, Cordelia. Cordelia, what does diversity really mean to you and what does it look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So diversity is a a variety of expertise. It's a variety of... um, skill sets and individual um, cultural experiences. What that looks like 
in a setting is uh, someone whose strength may be creativity and someone who's very linear and logical um, can, you know, bring something together uh, that is beautifully strategic and pr productive for the organization. And those people could be, you know, like a woman, a man, uh, a Muslim, and because of their lived experiences, that's what they can bring into an organizational mix. Lovely. So a real richness of creativity and strategy. And then the people behind that, it doesn't matter whether they're man, woman, Muslim, Christian, whatever, whatever it is, it's having having the ability to have everybody represented in, in any form, in any sex, any culture, any expression. Love that. Thank you uh, for your thoughts, uh, Cordelia. Um, what about yourself, Nama? What does it mean to you? Um, for me, diversity means simply accepting complexity, um, being comfortable with them, and even going as far as advocating for something you don't understand just simply because it's right and it's good and it's comfortable for somebody else and that means um globally like wanting to understand that from a global perspective not just from where you are and from your own experience yeah i love that that's really good as well you know uh, again and even even between the two of you that have already shared you know your thoughts that 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 they're expressed differently you know, and I love that, you know, you talked about being an advocate and, and having a global perspective and not just kind of a narrow minded like thought process of what diversity really looks like and being comfortable with the uncomfortable and being comfortable with people expressing themselves differently to your own way of thinking, and your way of operating. So lovely. Great. That was wonderful as, as well. So thank you for that. Hakimia, what, what about you? What does diversity look like to you? And, and, and really, what is it in, in your words? Um, Tima said a lot already, but I just want to add that, you know, diversity means to me, it's, it's more than uh, about just tolerating differences. It's about celebrating them. Um, it's a set of conscious practices uh, where there's an understanding and an appreciation of the interdependencies of humanity, of the, the global culture, um, as well as the environment that we live in. It's about exercising that mutual respect for one another and that um, you know, empathic concern, that culture of humility so that we can all use this um, you know, collective greatness for the good of humanity. Love that. Again, um, you know, a great expression. You know, I love the fact you talked about celebrating, not just tolerating uh, our differences. You know, for me, that's something that, you know, we, we've made inroads into diversity, equity, you know, and inclusion. We, we've we've made inroads in society, but it's not just about tolerating or Correct. accepting, but like you said, going that next level and actually celebrating that and encouraging that. So, so lovely. I guess, I guess there's some credence to if we do one of these podcasts again, it definitely pays to jump on first because whoever goes last, everybody else has said uh, all the beautifulness. But since you're a doctor, Dr. Lisa, I've expected you to just knock the ball out of the park now. So what is it for you? 
Oh, that's too funny. So now the pressure is on. Uh, diversity to me means everyone has a seat at the table. My culture is one that we do a lot of discussions and decision-making around the table and around food and feasting together. And so what that looks like to me is no one's excluded. This is not an invitation only. This is everyone come. Let's come, let us reason together, let us get to know one another, share information. All of our unconscious biases are gone and removed, and we are able to share and dialogue and walk away with understanding and appreciation for one another. Love that. Beautiful. Well, you, you did it so well. You, you, you put the whole essence of what everybody shared into one nice one nice concise uh, bubble. So thank you uh, for that. Nama, I want to ask you a question. Um, what does inclusion mean and, and what does that look like? I would love to focus a little bit on inclusion. What, what does that really mean to you? Um, when I started um, like getting information on DI, I came across this quote and it said, Diversity is about uh, being invited to the party and inclusion is about being asked to dance. Mm. And um, I, I have to add, for me, inclusion means that you're given the opportunity to organize the party the next time around and, and invite people as well. So that's inclusion for me. I love that. And that was a great quote, wasn't it? So diversity is about being invited, invited? Mm-hmm. and then inclusion is being asked to dance i think yeah. that's really beautiful <laughs> and I, I think when we i think when people express you know themselves through imagery like for me i don't know about you but that really like hits the spot you know because that that really makes a lot of sense so that was a, a real beautiful share mm-hmm. uh thank you for that one um akemia i wanted to ask you why is it time for companies to create room for diversity? Because your people are requiring it. You have talent out there that's looking at whether or not, you know, I should join your organization. Um, if, if I don't see people in the seats that look like me, then I want to go and be a part of an organization that I know opens opportunities up for people like me. We're now in this globalization, right? Globalized culture. And um, people expect to see unique faces, just like we see on the screen today. And if it's not there, um, you know, they decide to go elsewhere. So it is your competitive advantage. Um, It is your vital strategy uh, moving forward, because this is the new day. We're not going back to the old practices. And there's a level of expectation now see before we can brush it under the rug at oh we just did it check the box but now there's an expectation and an accountability towards dni um and um it's an imperative we we are in a beautiful time right now i agree i agree with you so really why the time is now is because actually other companies are, are gonna are gonna miss it and they're gonna be probably um 
discipline's the wrong word, but it's going to have a negative connotation because of the fact Correct. that we've the ball game's changed. Yes, yes, it's def- it's going to impact your brand. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it, I think it's wonderful that we can be on this call and we're from different countries and 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 we're representing uh, a whole diversity of, of people within the marketplace and. Uh, I'm enjoying the richness uh, and the understanding and the celebration of just like uh, was shared earlier. I think that's so, so important. Dr. Lisa, this one's for you. How, how do companies and leaders um, within companies practice the art of listening? You know, I think that when it comes to, you know, we've talked about people expressing themselves, people being able to share uh, to have a different viewpoint, a different understanding. How do how do we come to create and become better at the art of listening? I I uh, I have to mention a Deloitte analysis. Uh, Deloitte is a large company here, based in the United States. Showed that workplaces with diverse, inclusive employees had higher engagement and we're better able to retain talent. And with the right talent in place, that fosters by default, the opportunity for us to hear one another. Uh, the, The cultural diversity, and everyone being able to share their experiences. When, when we see someone show up that's, that doesn't look like us, but is expressive and willing to bring everybody in on the discussion, it, it's amazing the synergy that I see and the discussions that happen organically. It's not even forced. Mm. It's, it's, it's automatically. So that in and of itself supports uh, the ability to be able to share openly and uh, in the coffee table discussion, uh, what is it, the coffee machine or water cooler discussions are just very different than what they used to be. Beautiful. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think when you're within like the marketplace and you have certain centerpieces that do draw people in and you can have that organic conversation that definitely helps um you know for us to be able to engage and and often you know i find that it is during you know a more of a relaxed environment over a coffee or over a glass of water that people actually start to do life with each other you know and um, that's so important isn't it it's critical um, because that's where ideas are generated. That's that's where innovation begins to happen. And uh, it's like the light bulb going off all across the, the organization. Yeah, and they say you, we all need to listen to understand and not listen to be heard, you know, and it is, it is an art form, you know, because I think that, you know, most of us, if, especially we get excited about a subject matter, we kind of want to, we want to jump in, we want to express. If I say the word authenticity, immediately you're going to be drawing stories and thoughts, you know, and I'm talking about it. And then rather than, you know, you hearing what I'm having to say, you, you're thinking, oh, I've got to share, I've got to share this, I've got to share that. And, and sometimes there is an innocence to it, but sometimes, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, the fact that sometimes we listen best with our eyes, which for some people doesn't make a lot of sense, but we can, you can actually hear a lot of things that aren't even said 
but you can hear by apps absolutely by observing right absolutely yeah. exactly so um cordelia you have a three-step process called stop look and listen i would love for you to expand on this for me please stop look and listen yeah so it's you know what i've noticed is people are curious about each other and like you were just talking about with the art of listening, right? You can't listen if you don't pause, right? So pause and be present uh, with someone. And while you're listening, hear it as if they're talking about you, you know? Look within and see, uh, connect with your humanness. And from that place, it, it makes it so much easier, you know, to listen. And it's, it's like a resonance deep within your soul. You know, I think this is something, this is a beautiful thing that's come out of the last two years with the pandemic is <clears throat> we, we found out that we need each other. <laughs> we found out that we're human. And oh my goodness, look what I can benefit from, you know, this beautiful woman in Kenya, you know, I never knew that that could support me as someone who lives, you know, in Washington, DC, and, and those kind of things, you know, so it's just a, a complete soul level resonance. Yeah, I like what you said there about looking within to, to try to try and connect with, with what's being said uh how can it teach how can it teach me how can it strengthen me how can it challenge me or or convict me having that ability to be able to as you said pause because i think you know we are so we live in a world of noise you know there's so much information so much uh thought process that i think sometimes we just become knowledge hungry and I've always said the next level is revelation, which for me, the difference is that, you know, knowledge actually in motion. So when you take what you know is true and then you apply it to your life and you see it in reality, that's when it becomes from knowledge to revelation. And really it's our ability to not only understand and grasp what's being said, but actually seeing it manifest in our life. And then we eat from the knowledge of what, that which we've understood we then obviously create that. And I, I love that thought of looking within when when we're listening to what is actually being said. So that was beautiful. Thank you. Mark, um, that was just beautiful. I just want to add <laughs> what you just said. And I want to elaborate on that just a little bit further. Um, you know, it's not only noise that's keeping us um, from this newfound awareness. It's it's the divisiveness as well. And what this time has really taught us is that we are truly all connected. Yes, you know, we are women. We may appear to physically look the same, but if we share our stories to Cordelia's point, there's some type of similarities there that connect us to that story. And now there's a greater appreciation of each other's stories. And that's what I appreciate, you know, in this moment. You're, you know, you are across the ocean. You look different. You're a male, right? But if I share a piece of my story, I'm pretty sure there's some type of commonality that you can connect with, which is even, you know, we talk about DNI and how important it is, but I also talk about how hard it is. 
you know, for my for my white brothers and sisters and Asians all across the board to talk about this, you know, but us coming together for a greater mission on why we're doing it, that's what for me pushes me forward into this movement even deeper and connect to it on a deeper level. That's soul connection that Cordelia talked about. Yeah, last time I checked, I was a male for sure. <laughs> I know. It, it's your quite... male presenting. <laughs> yes. It's it's quite it's quite interesting, you know, for me because I've never I've personally never had to struggle, I think, with what other people maybe some of you have when it's come to inclusion and diversity i think you know as a as a white english man in a privileged position you know for me it's it's interesting sometimes because i know that it exists because people tell me and yet when i haven't experienced it then it, it is sometimes not something that's within my my forefront because we all tend to only express those things that 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 challenge ourselves but then actually my support within this is, is also to encourage a discussion and also lead with the way that, that I live, which has always been actually to be inclusive. And I think because I was bullied at school um, mm-hmm. when I was younger and I know what it feels like to be on, on the edge, I've taken that into my adult life where literally I want all of you to come and dance, you know, just like what Correct. was said, you know, which is, which is beautiful. Correct. And oftentimes what I like to do to help people see, you know, white people specifically, is that you may not have experienced the type of exclusion, inequities and such, but think about those times where you've been the only one, the only young man, the only male in the world room, the only white person. What was that experience like? You know, what did you think? How did your brain respond to the, how, what, what happened to your body? And, and in that experience, think about for us, for some of us, at least for me, that happens a lot more often, right, than um, someone who is, who's, you know, um, white. That's how I try to connect the story when it comes to the exclusion piece, you know, or the challenges. Yeah, I, I remember one time when I got invited to an Asian, like, business networking event with my friend Taz, he owns, uh, he owns uh, a couple of restaurants uh, in a city not far from me. Uh, he's very entrepreneurial. And he said, come to this event. And I went. And honestly, I was the only white man in maybe 400 man and woman wow. strong. Yeah, it was crazy. And the cameras were on me constantly. And I thought, this is interesting. Because I was like, I kind of enjoyed it, but then I also felt really uncomfortable and definitely felt like I was the odd one out. They, they, they were really kind with me and mm-hmm. warm, you know, so I didn't, I didn't have necessarily a negative, but I really was in that position of definitely feeling like I was the, the odd one out. <laughs> so just imagine you had that experience and this was something that you wanted to attend. Yep. And there are those of us who move in a space or have had the experience of moving in a space where we needed to be there. It wasn't a choice. I need a job. I need to provide for my family and to show up in a space where no one else looks like me, 
sounds like me. And, and I'm reminded of when I started my climb in the public sector, I had the opportunity to work for a Black woman who said to me, look, you've got to be careful. They didn't want to hire you. You have to show up on time. You have to go the extra mile. You have to do this because you are representing um, hundreds of thousands of Black people, Black women, and you have to break the stereotype of why they don't hire us and why they don't want to bring us into this space. And the pressure was unbelievable. So, uh, so I thank you so much for sharing that story, but I just wanted to, to just put out in the atmosphere to be in a space where you wanted to be versus a place where you needed to be and you were the only. It's, it's a challenge. Yeah, it is. And I think that we collectively write in articles about diversity, equity and inclusion having this podcast, you know, it, it, it plays its part. Again, we're flying the flag for, for all to be included with, with no discrimination for anybody that we are all one, which I think is so important. Um, I would like to ask you now collectively, and, and if you, you can all answer this if you wish, or, you know, one or two, what are, what are some of the unconscious biases or barriers that you, that you've witnessed? What are, what are some of the, the true kind of struggles that maybe you've each faced like personally uh, in the world? What, what have they looked like? You know, I have to say for me, um, in addition to being a black woman, I, I chose to change religions while I was at a job. So, <laughs> and, and it was great timing too, because it was like two months uh, before September 11th. So like um, on September 12th, uh, that was an interesting day for me. Um, actually, September 11th was an interesting day for me. So I don't know in that case whether it was an unconscious bias, but it was like on the morning of the 11th, I could get on the elevator with everybody, but on the morning of the 12th, nobody wanted to get on the elevator with me. And <clears throat> so one thing that happened for me immediately was shock, right? Um, because yesterday it was like this and today it's like that. <clears throat> and the second thing that happened, and I want you to listen very closely because <clears throat> this is the part that we each individually are in control of within myself what i made that mean is this is an opportunity to spread human compassion starting with me you know i had nine floors to think about that <laughs> i was like i can i can really change the world right now because everybody's hurting and i um i'm a little bit hurt that nobody wanted to be in the elevator with me and so I'm gonna love myself. And when I get off this elevator on the ninth floor, I'm gonna smile and say good morning anyway, because I want someone <clears throat> to smile back at me and say good morning. Mm. And everybody else probably needs that. They need to know that they're loved, you know? Well, that's a quite a touching story there, you know, because I wouldn't, ha wouldn't have any idea so I thank you that you like you shared that that experience, 
of how that felt and how that was in reality. Um, and there's a part of me that wants to uh, apologize on behalf of those around you that, that made you feel that way. Um, so sorry from, from my perspective to you, uh, you having to deal with that Cordelia in a way that obviously is something that was a challenge for you, but, but thankfully you haven't, you haven't grown bitty, but you've grown, you've grown better and you've taken, you've taken the higher road, right? Yes. It, you know, it's a joy to be able to be the person that has enough self-compassion that I can radiate that out and other people feel like, oh, I should have compassion for humanity and for myself, you know? Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. So anybody else want to share a personal story of unconscious bias or barrier that you've personally witnessed? Um, I just would like to ask um, our panelists because all of you have been in the DI game way longer than me and I just would like someone to just give me the difference between conscious and unconscious bias. You're right. That was like the wrong example for unconscious. That was purely conscious. Unconscious mm -hmm. would be more like someone being dismissive of you because you're a woman. You know, like they'll just say, um, right. well, I know you probably can't stay late because you have a kid, you know, or something like that. And on that point, Cordelia, that actually happened to me, um, not staying late. But I remember after having my first child, um, I traveled back and forth with uh, one of the big fours I worked for. And uh, when I came back from maternity leave, uh, the director at the time, um, I was a senior associate said, hey, oh, I see you're back from vacation. And I paused and I'm like, what? Vacation? Having a child is not a vacation at all. I was mad as hell. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I don't think it was a vacation. It was a lot of work. Um, and he's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I didn't mean it like that. And I was like, oh, you know. You're fine, but you may want to be a little bit more conscious when, you know, someone says something about maternity leave and coming back. He's like, thank you so much, Hakeemia. Uh, very open to the to the correction and the conversation. But uh, it did make me feel as though, you know, after having a child, you see the stereotypes, how women, women entering the, into the workplace, that goes down, how they devalue your work efforts. Um, if you have to leave early and tend to your children. Um, and that, that right, that was a wake up call. And so I had, I felt like I had to work a little bit harder to just, um, continue to stay credible and as well present, um, on the team. So. Lovely. Does it, one of the person want to just share before we, we move on to the other question, anybody else want to share about an unconscious bias or barrier that they've, that they've witnessed? Uh, unconscious bias as a single mom is that, you know, as, as you all have mentioned, is that you can't take on an assignment. You, it, we can't promote you because you're not able to dedicate the time and the energy. And, um, and so I can remember times of carrying laptop with me to sporting events and so on and so forth to ensure that I was able to stay on top of work assignments and things like that. And to finally say, I'm no different than someone who's married with children. You still have to juggle. You still have someone who has to pick up and drop off and, and negotiate schedules and all that kind of thing. So um, 
yes, indeed, un unconscious bias or things that people automatically just consider as a norm uh, that isn't. Mm -hmm. that that isn't and when they spend time and dig a little deeper and know each other's stories it's just the same mm. very yeah. true very true what what would you say are some of the benefits then for companies to implementing dei initiatives uh within the workplace what what are, what are really some of the benefits i think we started to hear a little bit uh, from a couple of you about this but but really, can you really spell out real like solid evidence as to, you know, what are the benefits for companies to continue having the diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives within within their workplace? I mean, the conversation has only just really begun. So it, it's it's like um, it, it can be likened to a baby, right? Because the efforts haven't even started, really. Um, the. The number one thing I think Hakimia already said is that um, companies are a lot more productive um, when they have when they include all uh, different skill sets, no matter what the person looks like. You know, one of the things I talk about on the Unlearning Labels podcast I have is that you know dismissing um, names or, or uh, CVs based on the name. Right. If it's not European sounding enough, then it already, you know, and, and instead of setting the AI to read for the skill set. Um, and so that's an automatic, inclusive, uh, uh, automated, inclusive process. So is that very much the essence that you all embody that the fact actually you feel like we're just at the at ground zero in terms of moving and shifting the culture in in the workplace and if that is so then then really what does it look like further on down the line within this in your eyes i'm a little further down in the process i have almost 35 years in and i i i have to say that i have seen over the last decade that there has been a turn in the tide considerably uh, the events of the last couple of years during the pandemic that have arisen have um, catapulted what had already started, had brought into the forefront globally, as everyone had mentioned, the challenges that have been, um, that we've been managing behind the scenes. So this is not new. Um, it just has more visibility. Um, and to answer your question about uh, some statistics, some data, efficiency is one of the things that the, a Harvard Business Review study showed that diverse teams are able to solve problems faster than cognitively similar people. And one would think, oh, yes, of course, because different people have different ideas and solutions on how to fix something. Uh, revenues is another benefit of diversity, equity, and inclusion. A McKinsey and Company report showed that diverse workplaces were more likely to outperform their rivals again, because of the different vantage points that are brought to the table and able to move companies and industries forward. Lovely. Well, that's, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? The fact that actually teams are more efficient when there's more diversity, 
because I, I presume that because if we're all representing uh, society, uh, then we're able to then offer a solution to a problem because fundamentally, at least within business, really the simplicity of business is what problem do we solve? So if we have a, a group of people that express society, those that consume or buy the product that which we sell, we then do become more you know, efficient. Exactly, exactly. And I just want to add um, also what I've seen is just an increase in creativity. And now um, I, I was reading a Harvard Business Review and I, I think it was saying we're in the age of just creativity. So um, when you look at just the diverse or opportunity to have a diverse talent pool, that increases what? The opportunity to retain the diverse talent that you have as well. People are looking for you to extend your tentacles or your arms in an industry that you may not have invested in before. So I, I agree with both Cordelia and Dr. Lisa. Um, depending on which industry you're in, you may be at ground zero compared to an industry, um, maybe, you know, like a Nike, right? Um, they take a stance in DNI. They are um, leading with a mission-driven approach to DNI. So some of us, we may be at the beginning where we are, to be honest, just introducing ourselves to unconscious bias. But for others, we are taking a hard stance on what DNI means to us as well as the culture of the organization. So I think from what um, you know from this podcast and you're listening in and, and you're watching or watching, you know, just think about how does DNI connect to you personally? And what does that look like when it comes to you being a corporatepreneur related to DNI? What are those key initiatives that you could tie your name to to make it a part of the vision as well as the culture of the organization? Don't just make it a check mark you know, a check the box type of approach, but make it, implement it to where it's long lasting. It's there even after you're gone, but your name is tied to it. That's your legacy. Mm, def definitely. I I love that. They have, they have a, quite a discussion at the moment in England around uh, football uh, managers and coaches. And when I say football for you Americans, it's uh, soccer. Soccer. Um, <laughs> That there's a there's a good discussion at the moment as to why there is a minimal amount of you know black coaches and managers managing and coaching in in the top leagues, you know, and and there definitely seems to be two kind of different thoughts here. One is the fact that for some people they're saying actually we're not getting the opportunity, and then for others people are saying well you you've got to be in it to win it. How how much? do we feel is the fact that we're still not getting opportunities for every culture to be represented and how many people within those cultures are actually hesitant and disqualifying themselves from taking these spaces? What, what's, what's people's thoughts on that? Can I take that one? Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel so uh, by that one because being African, and I know I'm, I'm happy that I'm here to represent Africa first because a lot of conversations Africa is left out of due to narratives passed down yeah, over generations. Yeah? So right now, there's Zoom which allows me to 
participate in this panel without that i wouldn't be here right and some of these things do help in making uh, diversity and inclusion a reality right but i know for a fact a lot of people wouldn't have even reached out and told julia hey i do this and that and they would exclude themselves and um i loved what cordelia said and hakimia also about it being about self-initiative and self-leadership being um okay being ready to advocate for the missing pieces but also taking the initiative to just start, be the change, take on mm -hmm. others, create the spaces needed to create conversations, yes. create all these safe spaces to, to take on more people, make them realize it's, it's each of us responsibility. Like I can't sit here and, and expect Cordelia to represent Africa. You know, I can't sit here and expect Mark to speak for Africa. Let me, let me just, let me be here. And even if I wasn't on this panel, I'd still be out there on my social media talking about Africa and the spaces that need to be filled with Africa and what Africa is actually doing as, as themselves. And it's such a good time to be a youth in Africa right now because a good 70% of Africa is young. Youths, post-colonialism, people who haven't experienced firsthand effects of colonialism, they have, however, experienced bad leadership, poor leadership from their own leaders, okay? So these are people who are ready to be objective, ready to weigh the skills, and hopeful enough to take a chance, right? And reach out to people. I just I get fired up talking about, <laughs> talking about all this and the possibilities, because this is what DEI is about. Like, it's not just about hope, it's about actualizing it, yeah, and 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 making it a reality for everyone. Love it, beautiful, lovely. Look, well, really well said. So thank you uh, for that, Nama. I love that. I've got one final question as we bring this into land because uh, time has flown by. Uh, but how can each of us individually contribute and help when it comes to? diversity, equity, and inclusion? What, what can each of us do? I think you have to define that. So when I talked about you taking that step back and making an assessment on how does DNI connect to me and what does that mean? How could I use my gifts, my talents, my resources, my networks to really push the movement forward? For me, it's using my voice to erupt a crowd, an audience, an organization to do something that's impactful, that's aligned with DNI. That's my responsibility. That's my passion. And so, how that translates to you, hopefully, there's an awakening and it takes you on this exploration to discover oh my gosh, this is my piece of DNI that I'm going to marry to. Don't get mad if someone says, oh, you know, you need to be doing, go on a journey. No, my responsibility in DNI may not be a journey. It may just be an assignment. I might just have to connect someone. I might just have to open a door. I might just have to bring someone to the table, right? And that's enough if it's enough for you. But if you feel like that there's a greater calling to DNI, you want to transition that career into a DNI calling, 
and you go on that journey and don't be afraid of it. But I will say my message is, is this is an amazing movement. There will be a sacrifice that you have to take, but that sacrifice is opening up a world of freedom. So you have to decide, are you going to sit and, and be afraid of taking this sacrifice or are you going to make an impact that's going to make a lasting, a lasting impact in your life and in the world of others? Love that. Anybody else? Uh, yes, I would like to say be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Oh, amen to that. <laughs> that these conversations that we're having right now is that once you do starting with self and determine what your assignment, your mission, your project is, is being comfortable with being uncomfortable and going in spaces and places and, and mi- bringing those missing pieces together. It's not easy. <laughs> this no. is not for the faint of heart, uh, but being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, I'd just like to add to that, you know, um, when you're listening, listen to connect, not to project. There's an opportunity to change the way you're being in every single interaction and bring your soul self to every interaction and be willing to be a sponsor for somebody else. Um, you know, being an advocate, being a sponsor, being an ally. These are the things and the ways that we can change. Beautiful. Any final thoughts then? We've got about two minutes. Any final thoughts on today's discussion? It's been really great just to to sit and to dissect some of this uh, important subject of how we can all represent each other and support each other and create space for, for these sorts of dialogues challenging some of the prejudices some of the discrimination that hold some of us back any any final thoughts thank you i want to thank you and brains magazine for even broaching the subject for creating the panel and holding space for us to be an active part of this movement going forward so kudos appreciation thank you Mm, thank you Appreciate that, Dr. Lisa. Yes, thank you so much, Mark. Thank you to Brains. Um, Thank you to your audience just for listening in and being willing to to be uncomfortable. Um, I would say don't fall victim to the fears. Don't fall victim to the adversity. Push through and do the work. And you're going to see some amazing things that manifest on the other side. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Max Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.